Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. It's time supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I don't have too much to add this week. Uh, we got a great interview, another wine business, and I, so I sung Adele for a little bit. Uh, I probably mixed up some verses, got some lyrics wrong, but I just figured that'd be a good way to sort of kick off things on this wonderful Tuesday. I hope your April is off to a great start, and thank you for listening, rate and review. Love you, love you, love you all. We're, we're really trying to, to turn that around and, uh, and, and lead from the customer first and really start with the customer and, and then take that back into the vineyard and make better wines. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we talk to Jeff McFarlane, co-founder and CEO of Wink Wines. He teaches us about differentiating in the competitive wine market. So today on the show, we have a very special guest, um, Jeff McFarlane, the co-founder and CEO of Wink Wines. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Happy to be here. So first off, what is Wink? Uh, Wink is, uh, I mean, really what we're trying to create with Wink is uh, a modern day wine company. Uh, It started out as a, uh, you know, we we just really wanted to, we, we felt like the process of buying wine was uh was difficult for most people was intimidating was um you know don't know what to buy don't know what to try um you know a lot of sometimes a lot of risk in trying something if you're buying an expensive bottle and so we really wanted to and and hard to connect with the producers with the with the way that the three-tier system works in the united states uh and you know a lot of people can't be visiting uh vineyards all the time or don't live in an area where you can where you can visit a lot of vineyards and connect with winemakers so we wanted to use technology to connect um, great winemakers and great vineyards to to customers. And so we originally started with uh, an online platform that allowed you to fill out some um, simple questions about food, because a lot of people don't even know how to describe, uh, including myself when we started the company, uh, how to describe what wines they want to try. And um, and so, you know, we launched with that. We partnered with a lot of great winemakers and vineyards. And as we as we uh, continued to grow the company, we realized we had this all this amazing customer data about what uh, what interesting wines uh, customers were loving, and we could go back into the vineyards and start working with uh, hiring our own winemakers and start making our own wine, which is now about thirty five percent of the wine we sell. And then the other sixty five percent, we we go out and partner with winemakers all over the world, and um, and then we we work with them on a year in. Uh, year-out basis to uh, to customize the wine and work on the wine based on the feedback we get from customers. So uh, it's been a it's been a really cool company to build. 
So you're making your own wine now. Yeah, we, we have been for about five years. Um, about 30% of the, the brands that we sell are, are, uh, are made by our uh, winemaking team. Yeah, we're, we're, 2018 was our fifth um, vintage of uh, making wine, mainly in the, the Central Coast, so between Paso Robles and, and Santa Barbara. Um, we also, and then the rest of our wines, um, you know, are, are now exclu- all exclusive wines to, to Wink. Um, you know, you, you, we, we start, we've started to sell some of our wines out into restaurants and, and retailers so you can get them outside of Wink, but all of the wines, um, that we make are now, uh, in partnership with, with winemakers and vineyards or made by us. How, how are you making decisions on your own wine? Are you using learnings from the customers that you have to sort of, oh, they like it, uh, you know, they like it a little, God, I can't even come up with words to describe wine, exactly. a, a little sweeter <laughs> or a little more bitter or. <laughs> yeah, such, such a good example of why we started the company. But um, at any rate, um, yeah, so what we're doing, yeah, we're taking customer data. We, you know, my, my co-founder, Brian Smith, um, who's. Um, entire career has basically been dedicated to, to wine, except for a quick few years stint in uh, finance, um, is, is the wine guy that helps to, to make decisions on what wines we're making. And so he's, he's, you know, really ingrained in the industry and, um, you know, is trying to, you know, talking to sommeliers and, and, and winemakers all the time about what's interesting and what's cool. Um, and then we're, we're following customer trends and then we're, um, you know, following all the customer data that we have. So it's a mix between all three of those things. So the idea comes from, you know, and then we now have a team of, uh, you know, four great winemakers and, and, and sourcing team that uh, go out and, um, you know, they're talking and trying to find, you know, what, what are the next cool things. And so, you know, we're consistently trying to source and, and find, um, you know, interesting products to, to develop and uh, get to our consumers, and then the the the, the, the wines that are the most successful with our customers, uh, you know, once we've really found brands and product that uh, customers love, those are the wines that we're taking out and selling to uh, restaurants and Whole Foods and um, you know, uh, lots of independent retailers and uh, sort of all across the board. And are those branded as Wink or are they called something else? No, we, 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 we want to stay true. You know, we, we think Wink or what we want the Wink brand to stand for is, is um, really just quality. Um, and so we want to be the curator of, of great products. We want to develop a portfolio of, of amazing um, wines. And so that's what the Wink brand is. And, and then obviously, and then the Wink brand online um, is, is about discovery and personalization as well as great products. And so that, that's really what the Wink brand stands for. But each of the individual wines we want to um, you know, be able to uh, possess their own brand identity. Uh, you know, I think that's really important in wine. I don't think a lot of people would want to drink a hundred different Wink wines, uh, and that wouldn't be true to the the areas that we're producing the wine or the great winemakers we're partnering with. Um, and so, you know, like our most successful uh, brand to date has been Summer Water Rosé. Uh, you know, we just I think we hit a trend at the right time. We found a great name, and then our winemaker um, it just makes an incredibly uh, incredibly good wine and so i think we're you know that that got great scores in wine spectator and and scores well above um its weight by customer reviews on in in vivo as well as our our customer reviews online and so we take all that data and and put it together and sometimes you just find the right winner where it's like the right trend the right product the right brand and then you know our winemakers worked really hard for for now four vintages to to make it better and better every year 
I got to try it. How um, how did you end up in the wine business? What were you doing before, and how did that lead to <laughs> this? <laughs> so I I, the, I I found that I'm really passionate about creating experiences for people. Um, you know, that started originally um, got got into to real estate uh, development uh, out of college, and and I, I found it really cool to be able to design spaces and design buildings and. Um, and then, you know, once you finish them, be able to, uh, you know, have people walk through and, and see the new design and, 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 and live it. Uh, and then the, the next stage of that was through that real estate development, um, we ended up purchasing some commercial buildings in, in Denver, Colorado. And um, that led to, to uh, opening a, a couple bars and restaurants, which was sort of a, 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 the next iteration of being able to really create experiences for people. Um, and so I got, got into... Uh, the hospitality business really loved the the business, um, but uh, you know also a very hard business to scale. Um, and so, uh, you know, about about three or four years into it, you know, we we had worked with a lot of winemakers. We had worked with, um, you know, I was working with a lot of chefs, and started to become um, dangerous with, uh, you know, with with a little bit of a hobby in wine, and. Uh, and was, you know, thinking to myself about how hard it was, you know, I was in the industry, I was working with sommeliers and, and chefs and, and it was still really hard to learn and pick out wine. And, um, and so I sort of was trying to buy a gift for a friend and was searching online for, uh, for a monthly wine club and felt like all the experiences were, were really awful. Like they weren't really telling the stories of winemakers. They weren't partnering with all these new up and coming winemakers that I was seeing in restaurants. Um, and so, you know, the idea came to me to, to start something online and to use a lot of these young winemakers that I had, um, that we were featuring in our restaurants and bar to, uh, to try to sell it online and, and create an experience online. It was sort of the, the e-commerce 2.0 boom, um, sort of on the heels of, of guilt and, um, you know, and, and Warby Parker and, and what was fab.com and so on, sort of like the next generation of e-commerce where I think it was much more experience driven. Um, and a lot less sort of, you know, the first wave was just, um, you know, click and shop. And how did you come up with the name? I know initially it was called club W and now it's called wink. How did you come up with the first name and then the next name? Uh, I guess we're just not very, uh, we're not as creative as we probably, as we probably should be, but, uh, really started like it was just wine club. Um, and, uh, so, you know, club wine doesn't sound great but club w did and we were able to get the domain name for super cheap so four letter easy to easy to remember um sorry five letter easy to remember domain name and so um that was that was the launch of club w and then um you know when we formed the entity it was uh club w incorporated and uh and then when we were you know as we started to launch all of our own brands um and we were starting to sell into retailers and restaurants you know we, we we couldn't go in and sell our brands as as club w because um you know people were just like why is a wine club <laughs> selling us wine brands and so we needed to come up with a name that better sort of said who we were and we didn't want it to have a whole lot of context for people we wanted to really be able to build the brand around um around something that uh you know people didn't have a lot of context or, or preconceived notions about a name uh, and so we, we played around with all sorts of different names and, and we're trying to come up with domain names that were going to be as good as, as Club W and easy to remember. Uh, and uh, we, we the, the best, after playing with sort of hundreds of different names, the, the original name that we had come up with was just drop the club and, and be W Inc. 
um, or wink. That works. That's a good enough story. Yeah, that's not what I, I thought. You know, I thought maybe there was some naming practice around wink or winking or the act of winking or but it sounds like, oh, W is space ink. And let's just combine those and maybe we can get that domain. Yeah, and it's it's easy to remember. It's a, it was a domain that wasn't luckily at that point we had a little more funding. Um, it wasn't an extremely expensive domain, but it was still uh, it was more expensive than I think we paid like a couple hundred bucks for Club W and um, got up into the thousands for uh, for Wink. And for I mean for a business that runs online, it's usually worth paying for the real estate, right? It's like you know, that's right. Make it easy that's to right. get to and easy to remember. Um, Absolutely. And how uh, one of the challenges with with the I, I know there are sort of two parts to your business, but one of the challenges with subscription boxes that that I've seen is someone someone sort of signs up for Wink and, and is getting a couple bottles a month and then finds a bottle they really like and then turns off the service and just starts to buy that bottle direct. Do you see that? Are you having that issue at all? Or is that have you come up with ways to sort of remedy that? Yeah, I mean, I, look, we're we're continuing to to iterate our business. Like, you know, subscription was is is still the vast majority of our revenue, and and we really believe in that over the long term. I think, you know, in the in the wine space, it's a a really uh, pretty good. I mean, as far as subscription boxes go, and I think that there's a lot of great ones out there. Uh, wine, I think, is particularly great because uh, I think most customers consistently want to try something new. There's always more to learn. Um, there's always more interesting bottles to try. And so, uh, but, but you're absolutely right. Like customers, um, at some point, like find a, find a grouping of wines they love and they want to be able to continue to buy it. And so we're, we're trying to continue to iterate our service, um, to be able to, to, to be not just discovery, but also be replenishment for wines they love. But that's also why we're partnering with, um, retailers like Whole Foods and we're expanding that network. Um, you know, we, we launched our, our national wholesale network a couple of years ago, uh, and we're, we're now, um, in talks with, you know, all the big retailers on, on expanding it even, even further and, uh, and, and making our wines available, you know, in restaurants and retailers for people that don't want a subscription or, or that, you know, can't sign for a delivery, which, uh, is certainly a challenge for our, for our business. And when they find a wine they like in in many cases it's one of your wines so you found a way to keep the customer exactly and, and you know we, we we think that you know online is a is a great place for us to um, establish relationships with with customers that can become super fans of our wines really tell the stories about our wines um, you know give them deep history if they want it or you know or they can just order and drink but um, you know, I think there's a lot of customers that that want to know more about the product they're drinking, the winemaker that made it, the story behind it, and you just can't get that in experience in store. But then, you know, we, we're never gonna, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a belief that our our subscription is ever going to be 30 or 40 million people. But I certainly, um, you know, think that through the the retail partners that we partner with, we can take Summerwater um, to to a much broader market by partnering with. Uh, you know, these retailers and they've, you know, retailers have, have been, have developed great businesses over the last years. And we're not trying to, you know, disrupt them. We're just trying to get close to the customer, tell the story of our brands, tell the stories of our wine, um, and then be able to, you know, take the successful ones that we've, the, the brands in, that we test and, and expand it through, through our partners in, in retail. And how do you handle the competition? How do you handle, at least in the, in the, in the, whether it's subscription or buying online space, there's so many different companies going after wine or, or various types of alcohol, how are you managing that, handling that, or, or are you just ignoring it? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, I mean, it, we, we, we don't try to, it's never a good idea to ignore your competition. Um, you know, I think that what we have invested in heavily over the last, you know, since our first harvest in wine is, is our product and creating great products and using customer data um, to, to continue to, to launch new products that customers are going to love and, and to get better every year and, and to build an amazing portfolio. Um, and I think we're in a unique position where, uh, you know, most of our competitors are either selling um, other people wine that have been, you know, and those wines have been developed in, um, you know, t the history of the wine business is kind of interesting in that, you know, I, most wines have been created by, you know, someone out in the vineyard, very disconnected from the, from the customer. They make a wine and then they, you know, cross their fingers and hope customers are going to love it. We're, we're really trying to, to turn that around and, uh, and, and lead from the customer first and really start with the customer and, and then take that back into the vineyard and make better wines. And so I think we are the only, um, online company that is, is really digging that deep into the supply chain, uh, and creating wines for customers and really building the brands and focusing on, you know, the experience of each individual brand, uh, and growing those brands to, to, to create a great portfolio. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, as a wine company selling wine online, you're only as good as the, the wines you sell. I agree. And, and how have you funded the business? Uh, it has not been an inexpensive business to start. That's for sure. So we, um, we originally, uh, started the business with, with some of our own money, the, the, the founders, uh, and then, um, we raised a little bit of friends and family money. And then, uh, when we moved the business out to LA, we raised a, a seed round with, uh, um, with venture capital, uh, with, a, with, a what at the time was a, a smaller venture firm. Um, Crosscut Ventures in in Los Angeles that has grown into a, a bigger fund since since they funded us and then um, we raised a, a larger round from from Bessemer Ventures uh, a couple years later. And how do you like LA as a startup city? It's been great for us. Um, you know, <clears throat> San Francisco. You know, when you start a wine company and you and and then you and a technology company and you don't move to San Francisco, everyone kind of scratches their head. Um, but, uh, you know, L.A. has been great for us. I mean, I think that um, there's there's less competition for talent. Um, we've been able to build an incredible team here uh, that's really excited about the product. And, you know, Napa and Sonoma wines are, are really too expensive for most of most of the country to drink. Um, you know, the, the the vast majority of wine that, you know, over over 90 percent of the wine that is consumed in the United States is under twenty dollars a bottle. Um, and, and you really just can't make and sell wine from, from Napa or Sonoma at under $20 anymore. I just, the, the unit, the unit economics just don't work. And so the central coast is, um, we think the, the sort of the next, uh, generation of, of wines will be, will be from the central coast where you can get really high quality wines, but at much lower cost. Uh, and so the proximity from, from LA was perfect. You know, it's a two and a half hour drive up to wine country so we can, we can be in wine country, but then we can also be uh, in L.A. with the talent that comes from marketing and creative and engineering. And, um, you know, across the board, there, there's really great talent in L.A. So the, the, the mix between proximity to um, the vineyards that we're working with and great talent in L.A. Is, has been a, a really good location for us.
Yeah, I think I was in Santa Barbara recently and I feel like they I didn't know Santa Barbara was known for their wine at all and had a, a number of great wines while I was there. And, and all along the central coast, it feels like there is this burgeoning wine market that I just you know didn't know about. Not that I'm the expert, but it's exciting and I feel like that might be a good place to work from. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. It's been great um, and not a bad place to spend time either. Oh, of course. <laughs> and, and and how big is the company today in, in people? Um, we've got about we, we um, we've what's one of the other things that's been expensive to build is is there just hasn't there's not a whole lot of infrastructure that supports the direct to consumer wine industry and so there I mean it's a the direct to consumer wine industry in the the um, you know overall market in the U.S. is about sixty billion for wine so it's a massive market. Um, you know, direct consumer is still only 5%. And most of that is um, sales out of tasting rooms in Napa and Sonoma. Um, that's that's about 70% of the direct consumer business um, is, is either people signed up for wine clubs, which is still even a small percentage of that, uh, about 25%. And then the other percentage is just people buying wine and visiting Napa um, out of the tasting rooms. And so um, the, the infrastructure around shipping wine to, to customers in the U.S. is, is is built around selling $35 to $80 bottles of, of Napa and Sonoma wines, which um, is great for the, the you know, the, the five to 10% of people that can afford that. But, you know, we, we set about, um, you know, wanting to be able to ship three or four or five bottles to customers, not having to ship a case. Uh, and we wanted, so we wanted the customers to have flexibility of shipping. We wanted to be able to ship for free. And so we've had to build our own um, fulfillment centers uh, so we've got one in Pennsylvania and then and one in Santa Barbara where we do all of our pick and pack and shipping versus, you know, going through a 3PL. Uh, and and that's been that's been great for us. But so based on that, we have, you know, we have a national sales team now, um, our two distribution centers uh, and then our and our HQ. So we're, we're at about 90 employees, including the, the two fulfillment centers. And then we've got a team of uh, about 30 that does customer service in the um, in the Philippines. What are the things that are keeping you up at night right now? What are the challenges that you're facing where you're just like, why can't we just, you know, if you had a magic wand and you could just fix one piece of the business or, or sort of magically correct something, what would be the thing you're thinking about? Um, you know, I think like we're always just trying to get, um, you know, create a better customer experience. Uh, and, and, you know, that is continually like that's, that's challenging, right? Especially in this, in this new new industry of, of direct consumer businesses and, and and direct brands, you've got to you've got to manage so many different um, pieces that you didn't have to manage in the past, and, and it's hard to move quickly and it's and it's expensive. So you know we're trying to create great creative, we're trying to add customers, we're trying to you know continue to build our portfolio, um, you know continue to um, you know build our digital product online while also partnering with retailers and growing our wholesale business. So it's just it's a lot of balls in the air. Um, but, but it's also really fun. And what would you consider to be a, a successful outcome, you know, in whether it's five or 10 years or whenever it ends up being, this seems like a natural fit for, a you know, a Gallo or a, or a Diageo or someone who wants to sort of buy their way into some data, uh, or into a sort of a technology play. What do you, how, how do you think about, you know, the future uh, of your business? Yeah. So, I mean, I, w w we decided to go the venture route, so we're going to have to uh, do some sort of ex exit at some point. There's, there's no doubt about that. 
but you know, when I think about it, uh, you know, I just really want to, and, and our entire team, we just really want to build, um, a great, a great wine company that has the customer that, that puts the customer first. And so we really want to build the wine company of the future. And, um, you know, if we can continue to do that for as long as, as long as I'm allowed to lead the team, we'll do it for, for as long as we can. Um, you know, selling is, is not really what we're, what we started the business for. We started the business to solve this problem. And, you know, we're trying to create a company that, that lasts a long time and, uh, and provides good benefit to, to the customers that, that, that purchase from us. And so that, that's really our core focus and, and will continue to be. And, um, you know, if there's a strategic opportunity to partner with, one of the big guys that allows us to, to provide a better consumer experience in the future, you know, maybe we'll do that. But, uh, you know, right now we're just continuing focusing on uh, getting better and better every year. And last serious question, then there, I have a few fun ones, but what do you, what's some advice you give or that you would give to entrepreneurs that are getting started today, whether it's, you know, starting a tech company or starting a consumer goods company or CPG company, what do you, what do you like to tell sort of the future entrepreneurs of the world? Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you believe in an idea, um, then, then just, you know, keep with it and, and stay persistent. I mean, it's, there's going to be so many, um, speed bumps and roadblocks and people that tell you that it's not a good idea or that it won't work or that, you know, all the, all the ideas like yours before you failed, um, and, and, and if you truly believe in your idea, then, then you just should just stick with it. Um, you know, you, you'll over the long term, um, you know, if, if you, if you like it and you like what you're doing, like you'll, you'll find a way to make it successful. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to be easy, but just, you know, you, you just stick with it. And, uh, you know, there, there's been times all along the road for us where we, um, you know, money, money raising has been hard. Um, you know, because there's been a lot of tech wine businesses that have failed, um, you know, VCs tend to tend to, when I talk about that five, five or 10%, uh, they tend to drink that wine and don't understand wine under $20. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we've gotten tons of no's there's, there's, uh, fund requirements that can't invest in alcohol. So, you know, fundraising has never been easy. Um, and then shipping isn't easy. And so, you know, it's, it's been a hard business to get to where we are today. And, and I'm sure we'll have lots of speed bumps and roadblocks in, in our future. But, uh, but if you just stick with it and, and you truly believe in your idea, you know, I, I think you can create great outcomes. Uh, if you, if you, if you believe in something and you're creating value for, for customers. I think that's great advice for anyone. Um, I think just don't give up and, and, and be excited about what you do. Also, I think just feel like just keep going. Um, you know, there are going to be good days and bad days and, and just, as long as you're loving what you're doing, you know, that shouldn't really affect the traje your trajectory. Um, what do you, the, your answer led a, leads a little bit into one of the fun questions. What's your favorite wine under $20? Um, I love our, our Pinot Noir Folly of the Beast. Um, it's our second most popular wine. Um, the, the idea behind the brand was to, a, a lot of a lot of Pinot Noirs out there, people, um, to get the, the, it's one of the hardest grapes to, to make quality wine out of. Uh, and a lot of winemakers and sort of the larger wineries will blend. You're allowed to blend 15 to 20%, depending on the, the region that you're making it in. Uh, you're allowed to blend other varietals in. And so a lot of, a lot of producers will make generally not as good Pinot and then blend in Syrah to, to add color to it and to, to add a flavor profile to it. And so, 
our Folly of the Beast brand, we set out to, uh, it's, it's, we named it Folly of the Beast because it's sort of the pursuit of, of impossible after the Moby Dick, Moby Dick novel. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's just the pursuit of making a, a incredibly good Pinot Noir for under $20. So it's, it's $18. And I think it's, uh, you know, one of the best Pinot Noirs on the market. Do you have a favorite that is not made by you? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like, uh, I love the history of, of French wines. I think, you know, French wines typically are, um, you know, they make, uh, some of the best wine in the world. And we, we've, we've all the new world winemakers still have a lot to, to learn from the French. And, um, there's, uh, I, I think the, the new, um, there, there's been sort of a new wave of, um, Beaujolais wines coming out of, which is, you know, less expensive, uh, Burgundy basically. And there's a region called Morgon that is, um, just South of the, the Burgundy region that's making some great wines. And there's, uh, a producer called Marcel, LaPierre, that's my that's my go to for a wine that's not uh, not wink. It's about twenty twenty three dollars, I think, uh, in the stores. I have to try both of those. Uh, selfishly, those were both just good questions, but good questions for me to learn. Also, the, uh, <laughs> if you could choose uh, one person to represent Wink, um, you get a sixty second Super Bowl ad. Who would it be and why? Um. I think originally, or if I could rewind back in time, I would have said um, Anthony Bourdain. I think um, just like the way that he passionately lived and 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 cared about cared about products, uh, and so hopefully we would have made wines that he would have liked, and uh, and I think he would have been a great representative for for what we're trying to do of, of making you know wine approachable and and uh, telling the story behind it that that makes it matter to people. Yeah, he did a great. Uh, did you watch that YouTube series he did with the Scotch Company? I did. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was pretty cool. He 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 has a, a magic power of making everything just look incredibly appetizing. <laughs> That's it's so true. I'm You're so, like I want I, I want to fly to that far off country and eat that intestine of that weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like weird soup. Yeah, like I don't know if I want to go to the street cart in 109 degree weather uh, in the beaming sun and eat hot soup, but like maybe I do. And if you can, <laughs> you're if talking, you can sell that, exactly, exactly. It's uh, you're like just you just see him sitting sitting there sweating, and you're like, I'm not sure I want to do that, and but I do after you talked about it. So yeah, he's he was a special guy. So. Uh, do, he'll be missed for sure in the media. That leads a little bit to my next one. Do you have anything on your bucket list? I have a long, long bucket list. I love to travel. Uh, I love to experience new things. Um, probably where the passion comes to, to create experiences for others. But, uh, you know, the, the, the world is large and, uh, I've, I've only been able to travel to, to a small percentage of it. So, hope to keep on keep on traveling what's one thing is there one place you want to travel in the next three years um i really want to go to bhutan uh it's it it just seems like one of those places that's relatively untouched by the by the modern world um and so i'd love to go go hike through bhutan and experience the culture and, and um i don't it's 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 hard to get to but i would ima- i would imagine so <laughs> um, my, gr- uh, I think it's Bhutan. My grandfather, uh, used to work w- with the UN and he would travel, um, for the UNDP development program, um, sort of helping sort of developing countries get on their feet. And I believe when you ask him what his favorite trip was, it was Bhutan. 
and he's been to 120 countries. Well, that sounds like a pretty good endorsement. I'll have, maybe, maybe we'll have to move it up the list to travel I, to even sooner. <laughs> I need to check this to verify, but yeah, it was probably he was probably there about 25 or 30 years ago. But you know, it, I, yeah, it's probably still very untouched. I think it's pretty relatively unchanged, and, and they're 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 not that friendly with. I think you you have to pay a hundred dollars a day to the just to as a visa as part of the visa program to be in the country. So it's not exactly the most approachable place to go either, but. Um, you know, I think that because of all those things, it's it really has held on to its heritage and culture uh, in a world that is quickly becoming, I think, uh, you know, you, you go to any major city in the world and, and all the same brands and stores seem to, to exist in, 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 all the, in, in all the major cities these days. And they, they're starting to feel too much alike, I think. Yeah, there's not. Uh, yeah, it's it, you don't get anything really unique. You get, I guess, restaurants, you get some of the sort of sites and some of the history that'll stay unique but yeah you don't need uh the gap um or h&m <laughs> everywhere you go it'd be much better to have sort of the local purveyor and i think there we're running out of places that are like that yeah sir i mean of course you can still find them in the cities but i think it's getting you know it just feels like you know all the hotels are based around um you know all those major global brands, which, you know, are, are great brands. But uh, yeah, when you travel, you want to experience experience new and different and, and different cultures that uh, allow you to see the world. So, Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And is there anything else you want to plug? Everyone go to Wink. Is it Wink.com or WinkWines.com? It, it's Wink.com. Uh, no, and, and that's it. I think, uh, you know, I appreciate the time and, and thanks for uh, letting me share, share our story. It's been uh, a really fun company to build. All right. Have a great rest of your, uh, have a great weekend, I should say. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Billy. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening um, to, if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, and check out all the episodes on makingthebrand.co uh, to hear some interviews that we have done in the past. And I will continue to update them in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks again, season two. We are off to the races. Love you all.